0: Hey, we've been talking, or at least last week, well, the last few weeks we've been talking change. I've had some uh, outstanding sermons on personal change. (laughs) Last week we talked about sanctification, and we kind of went through the nuts and the bolts of that, and uh, how God is just like working in our life to get us to a point where we are conducive to his blessing and conducive for him to produce fruit in our life and, and really get us moving and win in the game of life. And in the end, have the dreams that he's given us kind of come to fruition. He's trying to get us there. And we talked last week, if you remember the way in which you and I have a part in that is that we got to control what we think up here. We have to order our minds so that our thinking is directed by the spirit instead of ruled by our flesh. Remember that? How well did you do this last week? Fair. Fair. (laughs) Well, so last week was kind of the nuts and the bolts of it. Today let's present a couple of different pictures of how not and how to. And uh, I don't know, those sort of illustrations always seem to do a little bit better so that we can kind of see an example of it. So I'm going to start out by reading from the book of Habakkuk. It says this in chapter 3, verse 2, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, O Lord. Renew them in our day, and in our time make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. So there was kind of this situation where the Babylonians are coming on down, and they're about to attack, and Habakkuk's just crying out, God, we know you're capable, but the problem is we're not seeing it right now. And we've heard of oh, long ago, all the things that you did and your great and wondrous works, renew them in our day, make them known in our time. We feel like your wrath's coming, but we want your merciful, huge deliverance, the great works of old. Have you ever felt that in your life? Like all the good stuff God has done was a long time ago. Maybe when you first came to Christ, I was vivid, but we just kind of forgot how all of that stuff is, and we're just kind of coasting. Renew them in our day. God, do some good things again. Well, I'm gonna be in the book of Haggai, the prophet Haggai. It's at the end of your Old Testament. I'll have the scriptures up here for you, but we're gonna go and see how the people just forgot. And how horrible of a thing it is. And we're going to see what they could have had. All right. So this is what Haggai says. Chapter one, verse one, in the second year of King Darius on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, the governor of Judah and to Joshua, the high priest. This is what the Lord almighty says. These people say it's not the right time. It's not the time yet to come to the Lord's house for it to be built. And then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while the house remains a ruin? So this is a situation. The people have come out of the captivity that Habakkuk was afraid of, returned to Jerusalem, Hezekiah in this wonderful book talks about them building the wall around Jerusalem for their protection. And now it comes time to rebuild the temple that had been destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar. And you know what? They got to work and they laid the foundations of it, but then all of a sudden they just quit. What happened? The Bible t- tells us that as they talked about this, some of the older people who had seen the older temple, they were like bummed because the new one was just not going to be as great. And some of the younger people that says, they were happy about, hey, we're get- this is going, this is great, it's happening. And the Bible says that you saw people that were disturbed and you saw people that were happy. And there was a whole bunch of commotion going on and nobody could tell who the negative ones were and the positive ones, but the negative ones sort of won out, and they began to say, it's just not the right time. And you can hear what they say, ah, you know, it's, we're just a brand new, we're just getting started again, we're we're trying to get on our feet as a nation again, you know, this independence thing is a new thing, it's just not the right, it's just people are afraid, you know, and the economy's not that good, and we've got enemies, and we got this, and we got that, and we got everything, it's just not the right time. The first thing I want to say to you As far as sanctification And for us to think about the right things Rather than to be led by our flesh Guided by the spirit Is that we've got to stop The excuses And I want to try to make that Plain by illustration today In some sort of an effort I hope To see the danger of our times And I hope that you can see this. So let me just do a little history. There was a time way back when that's referred to as the Greek dark ages. I know you've heard of the dark ages around the reformation. Not what I'm talking about. Although that was a similar time in the dark ages. People just forget the dark ages come after ages that were typically pretty good and prosperous and everybody looks back in history on those times and they say, what in the world happened? Everything was humming along and then just it looks like everything just died. The Greek dark ages occur about like 1100 BC to 700 BC. It's a very long time ago. But the Greek heydays happened before that. And so during the Greek dark ages, you have this illiterate people And they began to see the ruins of the people before them, and and sometimes it wasn't even ruins. There were still these palatial temples and palaces, and they also would have these statues of the men before, and they would look at these things and say, "Those people must have been huge giants, and they must have known some things that we didn't. We don't know. And man, they were just. They must have probably been divine." And so during the Greek dark ages, that's where you have the development of a lot of the Greek mythological gods. Because they could see before them something great had happened. But they were not experiencing anything great right then at all. What was the deal with those? They had to be divine. They were giants. They were awesome. They were, they're just, they had something that we don't know about. And they begin to find like inscriptions around, and those inscriptions would have the language of those previous people on it. Do you know what that language is? It's called Linear B. It was an extinct language. Linear B was their banking language that talked about all of the prowess, the organization, the money, and all that they would. These people were illiterate, they couldn't even read it. What in the world happened? Dark Ages dark ages. I'm wondering if you're with me, could we still, could we be entering into that at all? You'd agree with me that if we are, that's pretty dangerous, right? Could we build the transcontinental railroad in four years like they did a long time ago? You think we could redo that? folks in the 60s who built our interstate system just like that. Do you know how difficult it is to build a road today? How come those people were so effective so long ago and we struggle? We are inheritors of what those people did, but we are not really continuers. Have you ever noticed that? You got to look at some history to see that stuff. We are not as prosperous as those people were back then. We've not been to the moon in 47 years. 47 years ago, we went to the moon with primitive computers and limited engineering. How come we ain't been back? Do we even see in the next 47 years that we got a shot at getting there? <laughs> What's happening? Have you ever considered that? I know some of you believe we haven't even been there. It's just a hoax, right? <laughs> well, there's got to be some sort of answer because why could we go there so long ago and not go back? What is happening to us? Could we be entering into dark ages? That's something to consider. Hollywood can't make a movie anymore. Have you noticed that? The only way Hollywood is still in business is because of Marvel comics that they make and because of the redos of the old epics that they used to make. They can't make a movie anymore. At least we still got Eastwood, though. But he's about to go. Then what are we going to do? Nobody tunes into the award shows anymore. Have you noticed that? Oh, it's a waste of time. Drivel. When I was a kid growing up, you could take all your toys, your record players, everything, you could turn it over, and what did it say? Made in China. How did we get to that? What happened? We have been fighting in poverty-stricken Afghanistan for 18 years without a result. Our forefathers defeated the powerful Axis powers in four years. How would you rate a college degree today compared to 30 or 40 years ago? We're on a slide, folks. Folks we 're forgetting oh you 're right we 've had some technological advances, no doubt about that, and that 's provided us with some good stuff, but it 's also had its drawbacks, and very would very well could be part of why we 're maybe in a slide. We are definitely social media junkies. I talked a little bit about last week on, on Facebook. Where you have this opportunity to select your pronouns. And all of the, the, the engineering and the intellectuals to make that social media available. And all of the technology to make all this information at our fingertips. Which is a good thing. We are now considering what God said in the beginning. Male and female. And it was great. Do you see our drift into primitive dark thinking? We are in it, folks. We are in it. And this is exactly what happened to the people in Haggai. They started out, but something happened to where they went into their own little dark ages. They laid the foundation for that temple, but then it sat for 20 years. And still, friends, we look back at our forefathers a generation ago, and they were pioneers, they were innovators. They were builders and we are regulators and we are full of cynicism and we're shallow. So we got to stop the excuses and you and I as a church need to be examples of pioneers and innovators and we need to set the course based on the truth and the desires of the spirit rather than on The desires of the flesh. Do you think we could do that? First, we got to realize where we are at and what may be happening. We've got to stop the excuses. The second thing that I would like to bring out to you today is that we have to reprioritize God over ourselves. So, all of the people said, it's not the right time yet to do this. That's just an excuse. God had covenanted with the people that there needs to be a temple where I am worshiped. So the very fact that you quit building it, it's just not right. And any reason you would give for not building that thing and completing it would just be an excuse. You have not prioritized me. And so God, by illustration, tries to say to the people, Hey, you're living in your paneled houses. What about my house? That might cause some pause to think. Well, I, you, know, I, you know, I didn't think of that. The reason they quit was self-preservation. We've got to prioritize God and preserve His message on this earth, even if it comes at the expense of our own preservation. And that's what they were not doing. That's what they were not doing. Is it time to live in your paneled houses? So this is August 29th, 520 B.C. is when God says this. The time has not come. So you can hear there's enemies, there's this, there's that. It's not the right time. Now listen to me. People say when God wants to do it, he'll get it done. And there is certainly truth in that. But it's not a good thing when it, when it comes to the point that we neglect our duty and then by saying that, we sort of blame God for it. What a double whammy. This is not what we should do. We gotta get over ourselves and our flesh and our comfort and we gotta launch out and be pioneers that prioritize what God wants. And you and I as a church, are to be the examples of that. To be an alive example in a society that's in a slide. That's what our calling is. No more excuses. The sluggard says there's a lion in the road, a fierce lion roaming the streets. And so he never goes outside and he just stays inside to preserve himself. This is the pretext of laziness. And so God rebukes from happenstance because he wants us to listen to him and follow his desires. But when we don't, there's happenstances that begin to happen. And so their contribution uh, was not to the temple, but to their own homes. And so the third thing I would like to talk to you about today amongst these people who had forgotten him is that we need to come to God in repentance and repentance means we need to change our mind. It's everything that I talked about last Sunday. We need to change our mind, and we need to think according to his leading. Can we do that? Here's what verse 5 says in Haggai. Now, this is what the Lord Almighty says. You need to give careful thought to your ways. That's what we've got to do today. You've planted much, but you've harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. Have you felt like that stuff? God's work always comes before my work. And you can see the conditions of the people's heart in their attitude toward the temple. They neglected its work. So God then begins to talk through happenstances, things that begin to happen, negative things, shortages, red tape that you can't get through, dreams that don't come to fruition, all of that stuff. Now, I'm not a prophet. I'm not the son of a prophet. I even work for a nonprofit. So I'm not saying or not predicting any horrible things. But I'm talking about the way God works to try to bring us back to life. This is the way he sanctifies us. When you and I get in a position where we forget his capability, he's going to come in his love and he's going to do something to reinvigorate our thinking back to him and what he's capable of. In the dark ages of your thought, you've probably forgot those things and the spiritual life gets a little monotonous and held back. Well, God's going to come, and he's going to show us. He's going to kind of shake us by the foundations. In Amos 4 and 5, he said, I sent armies, I sent a plague, you couldn't find water, I struck your vineyards, I gave you empty stomachs, I withheld the rains, but yet you still haven't returned to me. So as the saying goes, what's heard on Sunday, that's how the week goes. And so friends, You and I hear what we learn from God's word. We are our nation's keeper. We are our world's keeper. We are ambassadors for God. All right, verse seven, the next verse. God says it again. This is what the Lord Almighty says give careful thought to your ways. He says it again. And he says, Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build the house. How did you forget? Get up on there, get it done, so that I can take pleasure in it and be honored. You expected much, but see, it's turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord? Because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with your own house. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their due and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain, the new wine, the oil, and whatever the ground produces, on men and cattle. And on the labor of your hands. This is a dark age. God constructs them. So that you and I can be reminded. The problem is you and I are to be the reminders. So the purpose of our obedience is so that God can be honored. So that we can live a life to honor him. Otherwise, shortages, monotony, unfulfilled dreams, boredom. All right, well, what could have been? They could have went back to the scriptures when the first temple was read or built, and then they would have read this. The leaders of the families, the officers of the tribes of Israel, the commanders of thousands, the commanders of hundreds, and the officials in charge of the king's work gave willingly. They gave toward the work on the temple of God, 5,000 talents and 10,000 derricks of gold, 10,000 talents of silver, 18,000 talents of bronze, And a 100,000 talents of iron, anyone who had precious stones gave them to the treasury of the temple of the Lord in the custody of Jehiel. The people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. David, the king, also rejoiced greatly. Isn't that a neat contrast? And here's what David said. I'm going to put it up here. I want you to read it with me. Because this is an example of those who have it in their bones, the experience that the people in Haggai did not have. Read it with me. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel. From everlasting to everlasting, yours, Lord, is the greatness. And the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. That's a man. And those people there that day are a people who had not forgotten and they had the experience and those leaders took them through that experience alive, fully. Now, I think about our sister June. June was part of the beginning of this church. All of the history and all of the learning and, and, and the Setting out to do things for God and to, and to preach and be an example and to build God's kingdom. A pioneer. A woman who had not forgotten. A woman who was a leader in all of that. I was just talking with somebody yesterday and that person referred to June as a spiritual icon that you just thought would always be there. That was a great way to describe her. She was because she was a pioneer. And because of her, her faith will live continually and be an example to all of us. That's the way we're supposed to be. Innovators and pioneers for God, led by his spirit. He'll take us where he wants us to go, rather than on the self-preservation of, being, of following our flesh. Here's the rest of what David said. Now, our God, we give thanks and praise your glorious name. Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have provided for rebuilding you a temple for your holy name comes from your hand, and all of it belongs to you. I know, my God, that you test the heart, and you are pleased with integrity. All these things I have given willingly and with honest intent And now I have seen with joy how willingly your people who are here have given to you. Lord, the God of our father, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, keep these desires and thoughts in the hearts of your people forever and keep their hearts loyal to you. David is saying, this is awesome. God, I don't want it to go away. I don't want to forget. I don't want these people to forget. We talk about how the the heavens declare God's majesty, but you are under them every day. Do they still do that for you? It's so easy to forget, isn't it? You've got an enemy of your soul that wants you to forget. We are in war And this is why God says, please order your thoughts according to my spirit living in you instead of the preservation of the flesh. And that's going to require your courage. It's going to require you to renew your thoughts to him and his desires. And that's the next thing I want to go. We got to renew a right spirit within us. And we got to ask God to help us with that. It's the next verse in Haggai. Then Zerubbabel, son of Shealtel, Joshua the high priest, and the whole remnant of all the people, they obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai because the Lord their God had sent him, and the people feared the Lord. They feared the reverence for God and what he wanted. And so within three weeks of God coming to them through Haggai, they changed their mind and they began to build. Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If we revere God and his spirit and its direction, that is a wise person and God's going to take the wise person and make them conducive to his blessing and fruit. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Psalm 2.11, serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. This requires our courage. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, verse 13, gave the message of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord, listen, stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel. He stirred up the spirit of Joshua, the high priest, and he stirred up the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. And they came and they began the work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month, the second year of King Darius. Let's ask God, God, Stir it up in me. Help me to think differently. Help me to be more in tune with what you are capable of and what you want to do. Help me, God. I'm stuck in the mud. My thinking is so habitual. Last point. We got to overcome fear with faith. How did they get there? It was fear. Fear. Fear caused them to preserve themselves. And in all of that, it is un- we are unable to please God through faith because we're operating in fear. This is chapter 2, verse 1. On the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Haggai. Speak to the Zerubbabel, the governor. Speak to Joshua, the high priest, and speak to all of the people. Ask them, who of you is left who saw the house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? And here's what he says. But now be strong, Zerubbabel. Be strong, Joshua. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work. I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I covenanted with you. I covenanted. You and I had an agreement that my temple would be there as a house to worship. I didn't go anywhere. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt. I didn't go anywhere. My spirit remains among you. And then here, do not fear. Go up into the mountains, cut the timbers down, and build the house so I can be honored. Don't stop. I know there'll be a lion out in the road. Don't stop. I know it'll cost money. Don't stop. I know it'll require courage. Don't stop. Don't stop. This was our agreement. Why would I lead any other way than for you to finish building this building? Don't stop. There is no good excuse. Don't stop. Friends, you and I have to be led by the Spirit Otherwise, our lack of courage will cause us to preserve our flesh and our comfort. This means everything to you in your daily walk. This means everything to you for your dreams coming true. One last verse will be done. This is Ezra chapter 6. It says this, the elders of the Jews continue to build and prosper under the preaching of Haggai the prophet. They finished building the temple according to the command of the God of Israel and the decrees of Cyrus, Darius, and Artaxerxes. The temple was completed on the third day of the month of Adar in the sixth year of the reign of King Darius. Four years it took them to complete that. But four wonderful years it was. Four wonderful years that all of their children got to see something happening and having a prosperous experience with the great God of heaven that the heavens declare his majesty. You got kids. What do you want for them? You got dreams. What do you want out of them? Don't forget. David cries out to God don't let them forget keep this feeling all the time and let the people always be faithful to you they listened to the word of God through Haggai they renewed their mind and their thinking to God God stirred up a new spirit in them and that would be my prayer for all of you And I would include myself in that prayer because the enemy of our soul works over time and he's good at what he does. Makes it easy to forget. Great God, creator of all, ultimate builder, ultimate innovator, the one who makes all things new, the one who does all things well the one who is always effective, the one who always declares and then it comes to be, the one who has always been, always is, and always will be, the great I am. God, give us a measure of your spirit and help us to commit today to follow its leading and its desires rather than our own. God, take us places Get us past all the regulation and the shallowness of our society and help us be examples of people who know how to make things new, to rise up, to be builders, pioneers and examples of you. A contrast to our dying world. God, help us never to forget. But God, we ask you now, humbly before you we ask Stir the same spirit up in us so that we can have the experience, that we can be reminded, be jarred loose of our forgetfulness. God, we recommit to you today to follow you in your spirit. We pray the blessing to come will be ours to experience. We can measure the same joy in our life because of that that David and all the people had back then. In your name we pray, amen.